You're listening to a Monster Kid podcast. <laughs> We interrupt this broadcast to bring you this special message. How's it going, eh? Today's show on the Monster Kid Podcast Network is a classic. Hosted by two comedic geniuses who've watched way too much North American cinema from the 21st century. Mike Pisacano and Anthony Cilio. Entitled Cinemarketing, this podcast chronicles the heroic adventures of two latter-day consumers of film and the marketing surrounding them or, to use the correct 20th century terminology, losers. We hope you give it three thumbs up. Welcome to Cinemarketing. The trailers may have lied to you, but we won't. I'm Mike. And I'm Anthony. Here it is, the moment you've been waiting for. This spring, the movie you've been waiting for is coming to video. Well, though, I didn't get that cheese. <laughs> We're doing Hunchback. Hunchback, yeah, uh, that is... Uh, me taking the famous soundbite from my childhood is the, the Hunchback of Notre Dame trailer for the video on many Disney VHSs that there were. I had seen that more times than the actual movie as a, as a oh, child. Oh, definitely. Definitely. It, the way that they poured out the line, pour the wine and cut the cheese. Yeah, because it was like the only like comedic slight, line yeah, in this entire the, movie. Yeah, the, the, the interesting thing about the marketing for this movie is that the, for a Disney animated family friendly movie, they really only had like two things that they could hang their hat on. It's like, all right, we got the gargoyles and we got topsy turvy in order to sell this fucking sacrilegious violent like yeah, <laughs> yeah re- retelling of a movie retelling of an 1800s novel yeah. but anyway we're getting ahead yeah. of ourselves i yeah so i had not really seen this movie that much when i was a kid i had it on vhs it was part of my regular rotation and i never really watched it all that much i maybe i would watch like the first 10 minutes or so a bunch of times and then kind of turned it off the furthest i ever made it into the movie as a kid was up until the festival of fools when they start pelting tomatoes at quasimodo and it looks like he's bleeding and i was like that's what i turned it off i'm like this is too scary and gross and i don't like it yeah i wouldn't i i, I also had it on vhs and did not watch it much as a kid um but could you blame me i was like six yeah. so Again, this is this is not a, a movie for children. This is the Disney movie for adults. This is the Disney adult movie. Yeah, if only if only uh, Disney adults latched onto this movie like yeah. they did every other, uh, like they did every horrible Marvel movie. But yeah. anyway, well, I, so if, for those, if more Disney movies were like this, I would understand becoming a Disney adult. <laughs> Uh, I still wouldn't, but you know, teach. No, I'm, jo- I'm joking, obviously. <laughs> but but anyway, so for those of you who don't know. This movie came out June 21st, 1996. The birth date of my friend Jack, who had made it known to us that we were doing this episode. He said, oh, that movie came out on the day I was born, like to the day in the year. Yeah. And it's uh, two days before my second birthday. It was directed by Gary Trousdale and Kirk Wise. And they had previously directed Beauty and the Beast and then later had directed Atlantis, The Lost Empire. The dream team, really. The dream team. I mean, I think that the reason why they had them on for this one is because... Beauty and the Beast was like their first brush with like prestige. It's like you watch these Disney VHS trailers all the time and they always tout Beauty and the Beast. It's like the only movie in the Disney animated history to be nominated for Best Picture. It's well, like, yeah, they, <laughs> you hit a home run with these guys. You yeah. have to bring them back. And, yeah. you know, they did a bang up job with both of those movies. Yeah. And I think that they were they put them on here because they had like the high hopes that like this was going to be the more 
prestigious like darker movie that like they could try to recreate that magic with yeah uh the movie stars tom hulse demi moore tony j kevin klein jason alexander mary wicks and charles kimbrough and i just want to also add we've said this before i've heard it say it's pronounced demi moore i don't know if that's true or not or if that's just like a joke from a seinfeld episode is it demi moore or demi moore I mean, I, I'm, I've heard a lot of even in the trailer announcements and stuff say Demi more. So maybe Demi, not Demi. Yeah, it's pro- maybe we're just like, like Demi God. <laughs> yeah, Demi maybe more. Yeah, maybe it's just being us being illiterate that we think, oh, it's Demi. That's we just see it written out phonetically. <laughs> yeah, I guess that whatever. But yeah, pretty good cast. I'm a big Amadeus fan. So yeah, the, the, the fact that the, like, yeah, Tom Hulse is the lead of your Disney animated movie where it's like, yeah, it's such a, an odd choice to just he was pluck out of nominated for the Oscar. You yeah, know, you got to get the big names in here. Yeah. And, and he and does Jason his own- Alexander. Seinfeld was huge. Seinfeld uh, was what what season of Seinfeld were we this in in 96? 96 was probably like. Maybe when was the finale? The finale was probably like somewhere in 98, maybe 98, 99. So it was probably like six, seven years into Seinfeld at this point. Yeah. The Seinfeld finale was 98. So yeah, this must have been season seven or Seinfeld or something. Yeah. And then uh, Demi Moore. I mean, it's the 90s. Yep. <laughs> uh, and Kevin Klein as well. Yeah. And Kevin uh, Klein. Yep. Uh, so the it, tagline for this movie is just so deliciously misleading. Join the party June 21st. Oh, yeah. yeah party full of a big full, party, movie. party full of a rape and pillage and genocide and yeah. fucking making fun of the disabled and using uh, racist terms throughout the film. Jesus. Yeah, what a what a party. Listen, yeah. For, for this movie, we, we understand that the, the term that is referred to to the Romani people yeah. is it's is used a lot in the movie we're gonna not use the g word. word we're not gonna use that <laughs> word because it, it, in recent years it's been said like hey like don't it's don't. not it's people not cool. they don't like it even so. to this day on in its description on disney plus it it uses that as a which, descriptor which for is amazing character. to me because you have warnings on dumbo about the crows which obviously you should but the fact that they don't have a warning on this you know uh-huh. in the description or they have a warning on steamboat willie like why like, they don't have a warning on this that this is the movie that needs the fucking warning yeah you know what know how disney plus circumvented that is just they just buried the movie on their service i did a little experiment i recorded a video of me going through disney plus looking for this movie just in the categories as they're placed down on the home screen any possible category that this movie could feasibly fit into it is just not in there 90s disney it's like well let's go through there nothing you, you got lion king beauty and the beast don't tell me uh, I, they got the rocketeer in there the like, rocketeer a movie Jesus. about literally fighting nazis in world war ii and that's displayed prominently in the made in the 90s uh disney 90s yeah. but this movie uh, yeah i feel like just, by the way i want to say i feel like the rocketeer was a movie that was just a solid mid and then nostalgia blinded people to thinking oh it's an underrated gem no it's it's fucking mid <laughs> it's fucking mid <laughs> there was a category called uh, based on books and, and it wasn't in there still wasn't they, in there. they could have a category called takes place in france they could have a movie uh, they have a category called disabled leads yeah. nothing the, this they could have a category called movies about hunchbacks and i think hunchback 2 would probably show up before this one 
Oh, God. And we'll get into that abortion. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, this movie came out June 21st, 96, as we said. It was originally scheduled for Christmas 95, and it was pushed back to summer 96 following the departure of Jeffrey Katzenberg from Disney. Good. Get that filth out of, out of there. No, listen, I think that nowadays we have like this. I think every every generation has their their hateful Disney CEO and Katzenberg filled that role for the time. But I think looking back in recent years at what Katzenberg's involvement was and and Michael Eisner is that they were at least taking risks and doing like audacious yeah. things yeah. that is just not being well, done Ka- by well, current Disney. The, different, the Disney difference is CEO. Katzenberg is just an asshole, right? That's that's the thing. That's what I don't like about him. But I, when you said we were doing Hunchback, I was pumped because I'm like, oh, this is going to be the first movie where I could talk about Daddy Michael Eisner. Oh, man, the best and worst thing that happened to Disney simultaneously. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I over the current fuck face that they have as a CEO right now, Bob Chapek, who up until like maybe several hours ago was like on the fence about uh disowning the don't say gay bill in florida yeah like yeah it it, it well for those of you who don't know jeffrey cat or i'll be really quick michael eisner was ceo of disney at this time and he made a lot of great decisions and a lot of boneheaded decisions obviously you'll see it as a you people see it as a net win he was president for most if not all of the disney renaissance and he also you know, really popularized the idea of, hey, let's release movies on VHS and let's actually make them affordable, right? But it's also negatives because, you know, he made a lot of weird changes to the park. He tried to make Disney World more of a, you know, he tried to appeal more to teens. He's like, I'm going to put a nightclub here. I'm going to put a scary alien ride. When meanwhile, teenagers want to go. He tried to make it more like Universal. And he also, you know, even though he brought VHS to, you know, more wide prominence, he's still kept the stupid Disney vault idea, but I don't know if that was his fault, but that's, that's just the ones that have top of my head. You could see the man's pretty much a 50, 50 split in my head, whether he was good or bad, but um, every time we do a 90s Disney movie, you're going to hear me talk about Eisner. <laughs> He's such an interesting guy, and I would love to see a biopic about him that isn't made by the mouse, but that's never going to happen. Literally never going to happen. Like I said, we need to make mank but for like cartoonists and like you know animation uh people oh 100 i would see a mank movie with the uh what are, what are the, the old men what the are nine they? old men the or... nine old men i would love to see a mank style movie about the nine old men that'd be <laughs> sick but they'll never do that they'll never do that instead we're just gonna get these talking heads fucking uh disney plus documentaries Disney, what, what's like, it called uh, what's the guy who does the ken burns fucking like slideshow ass ken burns disney plus documentaries that put you to fucking sleep yeah, just a, a pure Disney adult fodder. Yeah, Nobody yeah. watches those but Disney adults. I mean, I would try. I think I tried to watch one of those at some point just because like, oh, it was reminding me of like some of like the Disney documentaries or whatever that I watched as a kid on the back on like yeah. the VHS things. But I'm like, now nah, these are just like too corporatized. And they're, yeah. like, they're dude, they, they made they made a documentary series about Imagineers boring. How do you make Imagineers are the one thing Disney has going for them right now. The one interesting thing. And they made it boring. I don't I don't get how you could do that. Like, what the fuck? But anyway, yeah, it was supposed to come out this going back to punchback. That was a weird tangent. Um, it was supposed to come out Christmas ninety five, came out ninety six. Would it have done better as a Christmas release? I have no idea. I probably I can't imagine it because Christmas is a time where you're gonna take the whole family to go to the movies and like, yeah, this is a dark 
violent movie it's that Disney. is scary for children. They don't know that. They, you don't know that until you're sitting in the your ass in the seat and you paid your ticket price. It's rated G and it's Disney. People are going to see it. Yeah, but word gets out fast. Don't you? And and especially in the '90s where everything was about like you know think of the children. Like everything has to be safe for kids. You don't think at the minute that that came out that it would get word out that like this is a scary movie for kids. And yeah, that's true. And I mean, it still happened even with the release date that it had. Yeah, that's um, true. And it also means because I think that at this point, the reason why it got pushed is because then Pocahontas ended up moving into the 95 slot. So that ended up being their 1995 Oh boy, movie. we got to see Pocahontas earlier. How lucky are we? <laughs> All right. bad. It's just a bad movie. So the, the the history of how this movie came about in 1993, after Beauty and the Beast, uh, Trousdale and Wise were working on a an animated version of the Greek myth Orpheus, and that was did that what, become Hercules? I I can imagine that some of it ended up probably getting reworked into Hercules, but because Hercules came out the year after this, right? Ninety seven. Yeah. Yeah. But then, yeah, Katzenberg just called them up and they're like, and he literally the his exact words were, guys, drop everything. You're working on Hunchback now. <laughs> guys, drop everything. You're doing Hunchback. Yeah. But, but just imagine that. Like, imagine like you're you're in the middle of slaving away at making like this thing and they're like, all right, new movie now. Get rid of this shit. I don't care about this Greek shit. Well, the good thing is, I guess they didn't get rid of it because, you know, Hercules, but hindsight's twenty twenty. They probably were thinking, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fucking Katzenberg. So, yeah. So in order to get them to, like, you know, recreate, like, the authenticity of, like, the France architecture, they had the animation team go to Paris, visit Notre Dame, and they were like, you see videos of them. Like, even in some of the trailers, it shows videos of, like, the animators sketching, like, the Notre Dame building, like, outside. Yeah. That's another thing that... The cathedral, the, yeah, it's yeah, fucking sick. That's another thing that Disney movies used to do, is that, like, in the Disney trailers, like, especially around the 90s, they would... A lot of the clips that were in the trailers were like unfinished storyboards that they would yeah, show Yeah, I remember. You. Dude, how many times have you seen that scene of the Beauty and the Beast ballroom scene where it starts as a storyboard and then like Belle's dress covers the frame and it switches to the full animation? How many times have you seen that Probably, exact clip? I mean, some of the stuff like that. And also they would show... Um, they would also show like animation, like like the animators, like behind the scenes, like actually working on the movie yeah, in yeah. the trailer. Like they they did it for Bambi too. I remember maybe it was one of those documentaries where they they're like, oh, you know what? It was one of those VHS documentaries where they literally just went into the forest and drew leaves and animals and bugs and that's how they got inspiration for Bambi. That's what people used to have to fucking do. Like, it's so cool to nobody, see the process. Nobody's going anywhere to draw anything. I mean, I think that the, uh, they went to Italy for Luca, uh, but and they learned nothing apparently because it's the uh, we'll say it again the least how do you make a movie about Italians and have it be the least Italian thing ever I it's mean, unbelievable uh, I mean listen just because nobody said mamuches in the movie doesn't mean that it's any less Italian I'm not saying they have to say that literally that movie could have taken place anywhere and you could make minimal changes to it and it would have been the same fucking movie but anyway yeah. <laughs> moving on yeah. so originally the the first person that was cast for this movie actually ended up not even being the movie it was cindy lauper and she was attached thinking that she was playing esmeralda and then ended up being like the voice of a gargoyle and then as because the the development for the gargoyles went through a lot of different changes because they originally wanted them all to have the the, the names lon anthony and uh, who's the third guy who played Quasimodo in one of those other... It was Lon Chaney, uh, Charles Lawton, and 
and Anthony Quinn, and they were going to name them after the th- those three actors who played Quasimodo, which would have been which would have been cool. Yeah, but then they were in. They were afraid that the estates of those actors would end up suing. So then the, that's how they ended up just naming them Victor Hugo after Victor Hugo, and then Laverne. And we were like, where the fuck did Laverne come from? Is we that- looked into it. Nothing. Yeah. No. Okay. So. They apparently named Laverne after Laverne Andrews of the Andrews sisters. And it's like, I looked in, I'm like, do they have anything to do with Victor Hugo or Hunchback of Notre Dame? And I looked up, I'm like, I couldn't find anything. I'm like, did they just like this musical group? And that's why they named it. That would be like if I wanted to make three new SpongeBob characters. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to name them Steven, Hillenberg, and Mitski. <laughs> the worst part is his name was Victor Marie Hugo. You could have named her Marie. Yeah. Why didn't you? That's an old lady name. You could have made her sound like that. <laughs> but yeah, so then also they originally also wanted, I think Katzenberg specifically wanted to cast Meatloaf as Quasimodo. <laughs> Honestly, based. That's pretty sick. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't know how it would have changed the music. I don't know how uh, Meatloaf's vocals would have suited the music that we ended up getting, but it is an interesting uh, choice. I mean, he is a real-life Quasimodo, if we can say that. And he made one good album and then dipped. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, before we look at some of the other product tie-ins and stuff that was released merchandising-wise for this movie, let's take a look at one of the trailers for The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Coming this summer from Walt Disney Pictures. Up there. High in the dark bell tower lives the mysterious bell ringer. Good morning. If I picked a day to fly, oh, this would be it. Yeah. Oh, man, I'll be spitting feathers for a week. Well, that's what you get for sleeping with your mouth open. He lived a solitary life behind stone walls. Remember Quasimodo? Yes, Master. This is your sanctuary. Outside was a world he had only dreamed of. Look at that disgusting display. Yes, sir. Until he met Esmeralda. Well, you're not hurt, are you? No, no. By the way, great mask. The woman who would open his eyes to adventures he never imagined. He's got a friend with him. Leave this place. You don't know what it's like out there. Nobody wants to stay cooped up here forever. Come with me. You're right. I'll go. Way to go, lover boy. A guy so swell. A guy like you. This summer, share the feeling. Wine, women, and some. Join the fun. Oh, the wine and cut the cheese. Sit. Whoa, back here, gypsy. And live the adventure. What a woman. Arrest her. No! How dare you defy me? Hang on. I think that cavalry's here. Disney Pictures presents an all-new animated motion picture event. The story of one extraordinary human being. She's very lucky to have a friend like you. Discovering the magic within himself. The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Coming to theaters June 21st. All right. So I played the teaser trailer at the end of the last episode. And at the end of that one, that teaser was a lot more ominous. It was a little bit more dark and heavy and it used the the hellfire uh, theme. So that was, I think, the the one where it's like they wanted to market it as being like a, a darker, more serious, more mature movie. And you'll see, at least from this trailer, even as they went on, they kind of like 
sanitized the marketing a little bit more. They focused more on the gargoyles. They literally on the just topsy turvy. It's just the topsy turvy scene. And and the last scene of the movie where they're carrying yeah. Quasimodo through the, the through only the times that anything happy happens in the movie. They're all in the trailer. Yeah, so it's it's ridiculous. And, you know, like it's a Disney movie. This thing got promoted to hell and back. No, yeah, well, of course. And let's talk about some of the things. Some of the more. Yeah. So first we got product tie-ins. Nestle. Nestle did a lot of Disney tie-ins in the 90s. They did it with the ones I the one I distinctly remember is Tarzan. And what they would do is they would literally just have like Nestle chocolate bars and they had like, you know, they, little movie scenes on the chocolate. Yeah, they had like the characters and stuff imprinted on the chocolate, like in the molding. Yeah. And that's it. That's all it was. And it's shitty Nestle chocolate. So who cares? I mean, I definitely I was definitely probably the kid to be like, oh, yeah, I want the Tarzan chocolate or something. And then, like and then that. you eat the Tarzan chocolate. You're like, why does it taste so bad? <laughs> I mean, as a kid, I didn't know any better. All Picture chocolate tastes the same. Crunch bar without the without the rice sucks. Nestle celebrates Disney's The Hunchback of Notre Dame. It's in theaters everywhere. And now you can celebrate the movie, too, with Nestle Hunchback of Notre Dame milk chocolate bars. Each has a fun scene from the movie and the rich milk chocolatey goodness of Nestle. There are eight scenes in all, so every time you open one, you're in for a delicious surprise. What a sweet celebration. Nestle Hunchback of Notre Dame milk chocolate bars. Nestle makes the very best. But not only did they have the Nestle chocolate bars, they also had these little like cup things. What that 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 basically it was basically like if Wonder Ball was a yogurt because it had all of the fucking little oh, hard it, candy gummy things shaped as the characters. It's too. like it's like the little um Kinder things, you know the little Kinder things where it's like where they can't sell. <laughs> Kinder, you know, obviously have the Kinder egg, but certain places they can't sell it in hot climates. It'll melt. So what they have is essentially like a little cup of just Kinder chocolate with a spoon. And it's like Nutella consistency. It's exactly like that. Nestle ice cream celebrates Disney's The Hunchback of Notre Dame. It's in theaters everywhere. And now all the magic comes to life with Hunchback of Notre Dame movie cups from Nestle Cool Creations. Each cup has a fun character from the movie. Characters shaped sweet tarts and rich ice cream. What a cool way to relive Disney's hot new movie. Hunchback of Notre Dame movie cups from Nestle Cool Creations. So yeah, there was that. There was also uh, Payless. They had Payless shoes. Yeah, they had uh, a line of Esmeralda shoes for little girls. And dude, you want to you want to talk depression? Whenever I think Payless, I think of it's the first week of September, and we're going to buy you new shoes for school. That's all I could smell. Payless right now, I could hear the chime that played when you walked in. Like, you know, it would like make a doo doo doo. It's the soundtrack to fun dying. Celebrate Disney's The Hunchback of Notre Dame now in theaters. Then head down to Payless for kids' shoes inspired by the movie. Relive the fun in great shoes featuring Esmeralda and other characters. It's all happening now, only at Payless. Let's give a little, a little ring it a ding ding. It's time for Happy Meal Happy Hour. This is where I look at all the fast food toys that a movie had. This is a new segment. We're going to do it every time we can. Um, even though it's called Happy Meal Happy Hour, we're covering, covering every fast food restaurant. Yep. And this is one of the rare instances that had both McDonald's and Burger King. For those of you who don't know, in the 90s, in the late 80s, early 90s, Disney had 
the licensing rights or my, my McDonald's had the licensing rights to Disney and they lost it and decided not to renew, which was very odd. Burger King swept in and picked it up. They had it for the Toy Story. Most notably, they had it for Toy Story. And now they had it for Hunchback. Hunchback was the last promotion they ran for Disney at Burger King because after the theatrical release of Hunchback, they lost the license. McDonald's picked up the Disney license and had it in time for the VHS release. So you have both McDonald's and Burger King toys for Hunchback. Well, let's start with Burger King because they had the theatrical release. The Burger King toys, not bad. They're they're all just kind of generally general minifigures yeah. sculptures some of them quasimodo, have wheels. quasimodo and frollo are just basic plastic figures which look pretty good the sculpt on quasimodo looks great and yeah. they have felt like clothing very nice i'd be satisfied with that as a kid mm. the other ones gargoyles esmeralda Phoebus uh, and Clopin. Clopin. They all have either wind up or like action features. Yeah, like Phoebus has like a little thing on his back where he like like action movement. He swings his arms with a sword. Yeah, and then all the other ones are wind up toys. There's something going on at Burger King this summer. Something spectacular. Something magical. Because this summer we're welcoming some special friends from Disney's The Hunchback of Notre Dame, heroic Quasimodo, beautiful Esmeralda, brave Phoebus, lovable Hugo. Your kids can collect all eight toys, a new one each week, one with every $1.99 Kids Club hamburger meal. The Hunchback of Notre Dame celebration. It's big, it's huge, and it's only at Burger King. What Burger King did, and I think this is what happened, Toy Story is the one I remember distinctly. They had toys that came with that kid's meal, but then they also had premium toys, which were like $1.99 when you purchase a Whopper value meal. And for Toy Story, it was a Christmas thing. They were hand puppets of Woody, Buzz, Ham, and Rex, I think. And it was like, it was like, oh, it makes a great gift. Buy one today. You know, it came with a little gift box that you can, you know, give away. And it was a cute little thing. They did the same thing for this. It was a year after they did the same thing. However, what I they were hand puppets. They were a dollar ninety nine with any value meal purchase, and they were you know Quasimodo, some of the gargoyles. It was Quasimodo, Esmeralda, Hugo, and I think uh, Clopin or Phoebus. It was I think it was Clopin. But anyway, they had these for a dollar ninety nine. You know, they're hand puppets or whatever. But I think because this movie originally had a Christmas release, they probably were planning the same thing they did for the Toy Story, where it would come with a gift box. Be like, hey, makes a great gift, give it away. Movie got delayed. They make it, you know, they still have them. So they have probably had to shoot a brand new commercial for them. And the commercial, I'll play the commercial here right now, is literally just they're all in the theater and it looks like they're at like a, they're at like a political rally where they're all like saluting their hands with the Hugo puppets yeah, on their in, head. They're in the movie with the puppets like, yeah, like clearly they're like, we need a new commercial. We can't make it Christmas themed because it's not Christmas anymore. I don't know. Fucking they're they're in the movies with the puppets. Just do it. Disney's The Hunchback of Notre Dame is in theaters. Will today be the day? Are you ready to fly? And it looks like everybody's getting into the act with the puppets from Burger King. Don't thank me. Thank Quasimodo. Your kids can collect all four, only $1.99 each, with any value meal. Hunchback of Notre Dame puppets only at Burger King. Moving over to McDonald's, there were two different ones. There was an American release and a European release. Okay, 
I gotta tell you, the American release is fucking bullshit. These might be these are like sub Wendy's toys for yeah. uh, for these McDonald's. Yeah, for toys. those of you who don't know Wendy's, we'll we'll get into it when we get to other movies. Yeah. We've worst done Wendy's. toys. We did Wendy's when we did Looney Tunes back in action. Oh, worst toys. toys. <laughs> worst toys. Worst yeah. toys. But McDonald's, what do you get? You got a plastic clopin mask. There's a there's a kazoo. There's a plastic tambourine. There's a fucking scepter that the top just pops off and it's got Quasimodo's head in it. Yeah, that's and that's the feature is that you it opens. It's like a scary peekaboo toy. Like, yeah, you got a shitty necklace with a hologram in it. Juggling balls, rubber juggling balls that are shaped like the gargoyles, which are probably probably the best toy out of the thing because the sculpts look really good. They look like they're made out of stone. And then there's. A toy we didn't know. We had to look up a YouTube video to see what it actually was because it wasn't shown in any of the ads. It's Quasimodo holding a, a nest and there's a bird attached to it and it, the bird's on a string. It's literally fucking ball in a cup. Yeah. You have to, you know, make the bird fall into the nest. Yeah, I, I thought... What but the, was, the string is too short to make it hard. It's fucking easy. I, what I thought it was, just by looking at it, I thought that, like, the bird would get attached to it and there would be a button that would launch the bird off. Like, yeah. The bird would... No, no, that would make it a cool toy. No, it wasn't. Alex, time to come down. I do not wish to leave this bell tower, but Quasimodo and I are having way too much fun with the gargoyles and the birds. Oh, thought you'd like to go to McDonald's get a Happy Meal. <laughs> McDonald's has captured all the fun of Disney's The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Now on video, just buy your kids a McDonald's Happy Meal and get Quasimodo, Esmeralda, or have a ball with the gargoyles. You get one with each Happy Meal. Alex, I do not wish to leave this bell tower. Europe fared a little better. Europe, they got a couple toys. First, you got Phoebus. Phoebus is just a figure. Just a plastic figure. It's fine. Whatever. You have... Frollo, which has a cape, and his arms are at his sides, and when you press his head down, his arms T-pose, and the cape... He looks like Batman. He looks like, like Batman. <laughs> you got the gargoyles on a plastic uh, like stand with, a, with different cards in the back for different settings in the movie, and it's got a wheel, and when you turn it, the gargoyles turn in different poses, so you can like, pose the gargoyles for a picture. Um, there's an Esmeralda toy, which is literally just, again hard plastic but it glows in the dark and then there's quasimodo on a ring with a string you pull quasimodo down and it creeps back up the string like a spider yeah still bad toys but a lot better than america yeah the 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 frollo batman one was really the one that made me just kind of like laugh i was just like this is the dumbest idea for a toy the fact that this genocidal rapist got McDonald's <laughs> toys is just it's it's hilarious to me. What yeah, that's just that's that pretty much sums up my uh thoughts on these toys. So that wraps up the first inaugural Happy Meal Happy Hour. So um couple of video game adaptations that were made for this movie. Not like a traditional like SNES like side scroller like they did for Lion King or Aladdin or later they made games of Hercules and Tarzan and stuff like that. This game, these games were one first one was the Topsy Turvy games. Which, what what system was that on, Mike? I think these were all PC. These were a PC thing. Oh yeah, so they're 90 P- 90s PC games, which basically means it's click and stuff happens. Wait. Oh no, this was uh yeah, it was it was uh it was for Microsoft Windows, Disney Interactive. Yep. It didn't even get a PS1 release. <laughs> I think it, it it was literally just like click the thing and Oh, and wait, 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 wait. 
Tiertex adapted the game for Super Nintendo, Game Boy, and Super Game Boy. That that you don't adapt a game for Super Game Boy. Super Game Boy is just an adapter to play Game Boy games on the Super Nintendo. This wiki, whoever wrote this Wikipedia article sucks. <laughs> um, but the one that we have experience with very minimally is the Hunchback of Notre Dame animated storybook, which was a computer game where it would tell you it would tell you the story of the movie with a bunch of little shitty JPEG games. Yeah, yeah. You could like you could like click on stuff. They did a lot of these in the 90s. Everything had an animated storybook. The best one was Toy Story because that was actually made by the guys at Pixar. But yeah, it's literally just it's a glorified leap pad. Like you, you read you the story, you could click on stuff, stuff happens, and there's little mini games. Some of the games that there were, um, there was one game where you were at the Festival of Fools and it just plays Topsy Turvy. And that's, that's it's a sing along. It's a sing along. That's the game. They, and and they, then they were two other songs. I'm thinking, what are their Frere Jaca? Yeah, what are their what are their hunchback songs they got put in it? They don't. They put Frere Jaca and what's the other one? Some other French song that's not from the nursery movie. rhyme. A nursery rhyme. I'm like, yeah. yeah, they really could not put any other music in this. Can you imagine the sing along to Hellfire in that <laughs> or Heaven's Light? Yeah, no. Yeah, God help the outcasts. Yeah, no. <laughs> Even these song titles just sound so so dire. Yeah, um, yeah. But Can't uh, put that in the game. Yeah, uh, there was another game where you're Quasimodo and you're climbing down the the building and it was literally just like find your path down the building i think the uh, my favorite one that we played through was there is a game where you're the gargoyles at the top of the building and you have to drop boxes onto the guards as they're climbing up the tower and yeah. that was the only one that like felt like a game it, it was kind of like kaboom on atari it was like whatever Although there's no stakes, like I let the guard get to the top just to see what happens, and uh, it dies. The birds just attack them. Yeah, like, it, it doesn't. There's no way to lose. So it's it's, it's not even a game. It's a almost game like it, requires the ability it, to lose. It's almost like it's a game for babies. Like, almost. Wow, I would have never guessed. Yeah. There's always something exciting for everyone from Disney Interactive. Introducing Disney's animated storybook, The Hunchback of Notre Dame on CD-ROM, an exciting reading adventure. Quasimodo's only friends were Where you guys. bring the story to life. Watch the horns! Yeah! Create music with the gargoyles in the bell tower. Go to the Festival of Fools. There are challenging activities and plenty of exciting surprises. Also from Disney Interactive, dive into the Festival of Fools with Disney's newest game break, the Hunchback of Notre Dame topsy-turvy games on CD-ROM. Join Hugo, Victor, and Laverne for a collection of five fast-paced games, foolish enough for the entire family. Play Jolly Bowling, La Food Feud, Upsy Daisy, and others as you frolic through all five games in this festival of fun. Disney's animated storybook, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, and Disney's Game Break Topsy Turvy Games, now on CD-ROM. And then the only other video game appearance by Quasimodo and friends was in the Kingdom Hearts series. Uh, it was for Kingdom Hearts 3D Dream Drop Distance. <clears throat> and yeah, it, it's not even a mainline console like numbered Dude, Kingdom Hearts entry. It's a 3DS game. Don't don't at me. Every Kingdom Hearts game is fucking terrible. They're not good. They're horrible games. Nina's given us the, the fucking cross eye off screen. <laughs> Just give me the stink eye. Uh, but yeah, so I guess in this level in Kingdom Hearts, you're Sora and you go into the Hunchback of Notre Dame and you're at the Festival of Fools and it's at the moment when Quasimodo gets crowned King of the Fools. Do you throw tomatoes at him? I think that it's an escort mission where you have to protect Quasimodo and you have to like save him or something like so that. So do you get to beat up Frollo with the Keyblade? 
<laughs> I mean, it would be about as stupid as anything that the gargoyles do in this movie. But you know what? Whatever you do, it's less embarrassing than the Little Mermaid level from uh, the second one. So yeah, I think that like as a kid, if I was playing that level, I would think I would rather have my parents walk in on me watching porn than playing that level. Boy, walking in me watching bestiality porn would probably be uh, uh, preferable. Some other things that were released in the lead up to the movie was there was an ABC special called Disney's Most Unlikely Heroes. And I don't know anything about this. Mike, so have you seen it? I did watch this. Uh, it's on YouTube for you to watch. And it's basically, it's like a half hour long special of a bunch of celebrities talking about their favorite Disney character and how, like, like the underdog characters. Like, well, what, were Gil- some of the, what were some of the favorites? Gilbert Gottfried talked about the Ugly Duckling from like the Ugly Duckling short or whatever. Uh, Pinocchio. Um, there's also, they talk about, I think they talk about Aladdin and What Simba. celebrities are in this? Uh, Gilbert Gottfried, uh, I think Nicholas Cage. There were Nick Cage, what was Nick Cage's favorite? I think he. T- I think he liked Pinocchio. I think that oh, was what he was talking hell about. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was just a thing that, like to promote. Like Quasimodo is the new unlikely hero of Disney. <laughs> They're really selling this, aren't they? Tonight we'll discover some of the unlikeliest heroes you're likely to meet. I'm a real boy. We'll find out who the star's favorite heroes are. Pinocchio. The ugly duckling. The beast. It just might be the fairy godmother. Aladdin's probably my favorite. Jiminy Cricket. Mickey. I love Thumper because that sounded like a hockey player to me. What are you saying exactly? And we'll get a sneak peek behind the scenes at Disney's newest full-length animated feature film. So join us as we visit with some classic Disney characters and find out why they are Disney's most unlikely heroes. And then there was also another making of feature that was hosted by Jason Alexander. It was basically like going through all of the features of the movie, the animation, the music. the all Here's of this, how whatever. we make a movie. Yeah. And he's doing his uh, gargoyle voice and he's doing some bits. There is a, a, a humorous bit where he talks about like, I play Hugo, the most beloved character in all of Disney history. And then at the end of the special, he gets a phone call. And then on the other line, it's like, ha ha, we're coming for you, Jason. <laughs> that's pretty funny. I can't believe Disney did the see that's 90s Disney had fucking balls, man. Yeah. That uh, that's that that's that uh that's that Eisner Disney right there. Wow. Working on Disney's The Hunchback of Notre Dame was an unforgettable experience. I hope I've helped you learn a little bit about the process of animation and all the hard work it takes to produce an animated feature, especially one like this. So on behalf of myself and Hugo, we'd just like to say Hey, 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 could you hold it down out there? I'm trying to talk here. Excuse me. This is unacceptable. Jason Alexander, uh, uh, we've got to talk. You know, uh, man to mouse. Goofy, watch the back. Got you covered. Uh, Donald, check the windows. On behalf of myself and Hugo, I'd just like to say thanks for watching. Jason, open up. I know you're in there. I can hear you breathing. Now, now you can't stay in there forever, you know, Jason. So before we get into the actual release of the movie, we're going to get to a couple of other uh, things that were spun off from this movie. The worst of all being the Hunchback of Notre Dame 2. I will that that literally like you want to talk shit. For those of you who don't know, Disney made a lot of direct to video sequels um, in the 90s. 
for their most popular animated movies. You might have heard of Beauty and the Beast's Enchanted Christmas. I think that was the most successful one. But uh, yeah. Or Aladdin, would, Prince of Thieves, or Aladdin, yeah. Return of the Jafar. Like, I feel like the Aladdin... Well, Return of Jafar, I think, was just the first three episodes, the three pilot episodes or whatever for the Aladdin animated series, and they just put it together in a movie. But they basically, they had a thing. I believe it's called Disney Toon Studios in Korea. And basically, all they would do is they would outsource all the animation to Korea, and it's very cheap. And it really, really shows. It's a, it's a spit in the face to this beautiful film. It is the worst drop off in quality of all the Disney sequels. It's horrid because I, I don't think I've mentioned this yet. Um, I think I was like at least saving this up for a little bit later. But this is my favorite Disney animated movie, like uh, across all eras of the Renaissance of like the classic old Disney era. This this is my favorite movie out of all of them. And I I only came to this realization like on this rewatch, like I'd always loved this movie. It's always been one of my favorite Disney movies. But this something really clicked with me for this one watching it uh, this time. Yeah, and it's so easy th- to see why it's, yeah. it's a piece. It's a work of art. Yeah, no, it is one of those types of movies where it's like, yeah, we talk about like old oh, things that wouldn't get made today. Yeah, Disney would never even have the balls to make something like this today no if you if you brought the script of the hunchback of notre dame to disney today they would just say this is just the script for hunchback of notre dame we already made this This movie. is already a movie <laughs> you know honestly i feel like if you brought this the script for the hunchback of notre dame to disney executives now they probably wouldn't even know what it is because of how how little attention they've paid to this movie they'd be like oh uh so how does this factor into the multiverse yeah yeah i just i just can't but yeah. but yeah, if I have to watch Mike, Mike was like, hey, Anthony, do you want to watch Hunchback 2? I would much sooner hang myself live on Periscope than do that. <laughs> it, Not happening. Yeah, like I said, it's the biggest jump off in quality because it goes from my favorite Disney movie, the best Disney movie to literally of the sequel, the worst movie in the entire like the entire Disney lineage, yeah. probably. And thanks to Disney Plus, you could just freely watch it. So yeah. if you want to, it's, it's it, an hour long. It's, it's barely a movie. Fun. It's not fun. I, it's not one of those movies where you're like, hey, let's watch this and make fun of it. It's I've not tried even- it a couple of times. I've tried to do that with this movie and this it's just so soul crushing. It looks so cheap. All the animation is like sub TV level crayon drawings. Yeah, uh, the the music is horrible. Like, again, going from like the the God tier animation and music from this movie to literally like literally worse than fucking Disney Channel pre like Ren and Stimpy like yeah, that's it's, it's 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 garbage it's garbage yeah. um but yeah and then we also have off Broadway musical yeah so they had made a, a Broadway musical adaptation of Hunchback in Notre Dame and it I looked at some videos and I've looked at some like video essays about it um and it looks like they tried to t- take it into a little bit more of a darker direction it doesn't look as colorful and the gargoyles have a lot less of a presence they cut a guy like you they also like flesh out Frollo's backstory a little bit more which I kind of don't like because it makes it like oh the reason why Frollo hates the uh the Romani people is because oh his brother was killed by one and he has to save quasi- oh it's like, shut sh- up. yeah it's like why does every villain need to have like a relatable backstory it's like this is why they hate this is why putin really hates the ukrainians because a ukrainian killed his mom it's like people can just be racist that's more realistic than some bullshit like oh he was hurt by one of these people and now that's why he wants to commit genocide like that's you think that that's fleshing out a character more but it's not it's, um, it's not it, it, that's the cheapest fucking i hate that yeah I, w- I was intrigued until you said that now i don't want to see it yeah shay Farillis made a video about it you know that guy he's the guy he on youtube who has like the his profile picture is that blue crab from moana no probably, i've never seen it you've probably seen 
some of his thumbnails at least. Yeah, it might have shown up on my first, yeah. on my uh, my uh, recommended. I don't know. You you also put here that there's a rumored live action remake of this movie with Josh fucking Gad. Yeah, so. I, I will kill myself live on Periscope. <laughs> I don't know how far in development this is. There hasn't been anything that has been updated about this project since like early 2020, maybe, maybe early 2021. But I think Josh Gad is attached to produce and star as Quasimodo. Again, I really don't want it to happen because all of the live action Disney remakes are like soulless, life sucking. It's like... Everything that was great and innovative about the Disney Renaissance movies in the 90s, it's everything that's wrong with Disney movies now is that they're all just so cookie cutter and they just like, you know, there's no originality and they're just like taking like things that were actually innovative and just like watering them down. and It sucks. And Gad's also producing it. And you're right. In January of 2021, someone asked him about it on Twitter and he just wrote getting closer and closer. So apparently it's getting to the uh, casting. Literally, there's no cast yet. All we know is that it's going to have uh, the guy who wrote M. Butterfly, David Henry Huang, wrote the script, and Alan Menken and Steven Schwartz will write the music for the adaptation. There's already music here. What do you have to write? They got to write that new song so that they can get nominated for Best Original Song at the Oscars. Oh, God. They also are probably going to have to write some new bullshit. Yeah, they're probably going to have to write some new bullshit songs to, like, you know, pad out the runtime or whatever. My question is, will they keep uh, Frollo a judge, or do they have balls now? Will they make it a priest? See, let, yeah, let, let's let's talk about that decision to make Frollo a judge as opposed to being like a priest or an archdeacon like he was in the original I, story. I, very briefly, I told you I, I, I told you about this, what I think about this before. They changed him in name only. They everything else. He's a priest. He's literally a priest. That's all it is. Yeah, and even so, it doesn't really even change his motivation. Like he's still like sees himself as being like, you know, a, a warrior for God and for heaven. And he uses like religion yeah. as yeah. like his moral f- fiber. He has as, control like, of the church. He says prayers. He fucking, you know, and even back then I said it before France at this time, the rule of law was Christianity. That was the rule of law. So even if he was a judge, he was essentially a priest. It, it, they, I think they did it fine. They did. It wouldn't surprise me if they probably had it as Father Frollo, and then halfway through production, we're like, we have to change it to Judge, and they just re-recorded the lines. Actions, he is very clearly a priest. I don't think it's a big issue. Yeah. So, and then also one little thing. So we haven't talked about product placement in a while, and there's the only bit of product placement that really in Disney movies that can exist. I mean, product just, placement, just it's little cameos, Easter from, eggs. Yeah, cameos from their other movies, which is also, again, it's kind of like, you know, publicity for their other movies. And there's more recognizable things like this in other Disney movies, like Scar being in Hercules, like he's, yeah, yeah or some of it. But for this one, it's all relegated to just one scene and they're blinking you'll miss it cameos during Quasimodo's song out there when it pans out into the village and you see like all the villagers walking by. There's a shot of Belle walking by from Beauty and the Beast. There's a guy holding Aladdin's carpet and then there's like two guys walking by with Pumbaa like on a stick like as like, you know, a piece of meat. That's <laughs> nice. about it. In our OK, so before we go to break right here, you wrote soundtrack. This is a score, my friend. And the score, the holy shit, uh, the the orchestration. The, Alan Menken put his whole bussy into his this whole shit. hunch bussy into this movie. It's this, this amazing. No, yeah, this is the best music out of any Disney movie. The opening, literally, literally, it's right up there in my mind with Phil Collins' Tarzan. 
Oh, like, I think it's way better. I think I love the Phil Collins Tarzan soundtrack, but this is just leagues better. Like we sound like Disney adults right no, now. No, no. This, but, <laughs> but listen, like I said, we're not the type of people to like gush about Disney movies normally. But this movie specifically is one that deserves it because this is so unlike a Disney movie. It's, it's got choir. It's got church choirs. It's got full orchestra. No, well, four orchestras yeah, are not. No, it's yeah. so it's so audacious and ambitious and yeah, like the type of stuff that would not get greenlit in Disney. I'm amazed that it even got yeah made. and people and people like to complain about um tom hulse's voice like singing voice in it but i think he's fine no i think i also i kind of like the roughness of quasimodo's singing voice like it makes him feel more real and a little exactly. more relatable exactly human. i don't want fucking you know a, a perfect pop singer singing these songs which i think is going to happen if they make a live action remake it's gonna sound horrible well yeah i mean especially if it's josh gad playing the role yeah it's um, gonna suck but uh but yeah like i think the Bells of Notre Dame is probably I think it's better than the Circle of Life as an opening to a Disney movie. Like some of the crescendos that happen in these songs. I'm like, God, I need a fucking cigarette after Dude, some of these songs. The, just the the opening, like it's the perfect opening. Just the end. Like I, we've said it before. If, if the movie starts and there's no title and then like three or four minutes into the movie, they show the title. It's a good movie. Yeah. The longer that it takes for the title to come into the movie, the better the movie is. Yeah. Um, So, but just, but this one, just the title coming in and it's like just the, the crescendo, the bells of Notre Dame and the fucking choir. Cause yeah, dude, with the, with the aerial view of Notre Dame. Holy shit. I want to see that on a big screen. If they ever re-release this in theaters, I'm going. Yeah. And I also would say that I think that out of all the Disney movies in the 90s, this is the best blending of 3D CGI with 2D animation because they only really ever use 3D for like some crowd shots, which uh, to be fair look pretty bad but you're not supposed to be paying attention to that i was looking for issues so i was staring at the crowds and they look like the they look like the audience in guitar hero 2 like it looks they have some canned motions um but then also like the bells are cg but they look look great yeah and that and like i think some of the more like i guess the scenes of like quasimodo like swinging down like climbing the the building it's kind of incredible the change over the course of like what two or three years from uh from beauty and the beast because when you look at beauty and the beast and you see like the ballroom scene you look at the background it's like these are all flat textures these look really bad i mean there's something still that's a little of course there's something magical about it but objectively you look at it it's like this doesn't look great yeah but anyway yeah so that that is that covers all of like the the first half the the pre-release of all the hunchback in notre dame now we're gonna go to break and then we're gonna get into some of the juicier uh details about the movie because i'll a lot of the uh, the more salacious details about this movie uh, happened uh, as a result after this release. Is a little uh, yeah. I don't know if you know it's a little bit of a controversial movie. Yeah, a little, little out, controversial. So. so we'll go over the reviews, the controversy, and uh, let's see how this movie did. It is the moment you've been waiting for. This spring, the movie you've been waiting for is coming to home video. What wine and cut the cheese! It's Disney's thirty fourth full length animated feature. Every day, he rang the bells that brought the city to life. If I picked a day to fly, this would be it. And every night, he dreamed of being a part of that life. Remember Quasimodo? Yes, master. This is your sanctuary. Nobody wants to stay cooped up here forever. You're right. I'll go. When he came out of hiding... By the way, great mass. ...and came to the party... 
His whole world turned topsy-turvy. Arrest her. No! Sit. How dare you defy me? What a woman. But with the help of three loyal pals... The cavalry's here! ...and the friendship of the beautiful Esmeralda... Come with me. Quick, this way. Way to go, lover boy! ...he'll save the city he loves. You're a surprising person, Quasimodo. ...and make his dreams come true. Bring home the film Siskel and Ebert called the best Disney picture since Beauty and the Beast. Two spirited thumbs up. Works for me! This spring, don't miss the celebration. Wine, women, and soap. With this great Disney masterpiece you've just got to own. The Hunchback of Notre Dame, coming to video. All right, and we're back for our breakdown of the critical reception of Hunchback of Notre Dame. Uh, this movie has a 71% on Rotten Tomatoes. Too low. Yeah, with 56 reviews, with 56 reviews total, it has 40 fresh and 26 rotten. And it's, the it's critics' consensus reads, Disney's take on the Victor Hugo classic is dramatically uneven, but its strong visuals, dark themes, and message of tolerance make for a more sophisticated than average children's film. Dramatically uneven. I have to agree just because of that one. The one bad part of the movie is the Gargoyle song. And it, yes, that makes the movie dramatically uneven. I agree with that. I think that consensus is perfect. I still think the review, the percentage is too low. This has to be high 80s. Yeah, and it's also a movie that it's like... Even if you don't like the movie, like you have to respect like the like the risk, like the balls of this movie, like the audaciousness of it, the because, audacity of yeah. this bitch. Yeah. And like I said, the gargoyles are very annoying and they are com- they're not funny and they kind of ruin the tone of the movie a lot of the times. But I will say at least I can make my peace with them a little bit because they are they're segmented off enough from the more dramatic stuff like the only things that they do like during like actual dramatic scenes that like ruin the co- that like the comedy ruins it is like i think during heaven's light when they're making like stupid faces in the background as quasimodo's singing like this beautiful song yeah uh, again <laughs> again this has been said a million times on the internet just imagine there are there in quasimodo's head because nobody else except for the goat in one scene interacts with them and even the battle at the end, yeah, they fight the whatever, Guards. but that could be Quasimodo doing it and just imagining it's them on Maya's side. Just imagine they don't exist. They're only in Quasimodo's head and it's fine. It's yeah. fine. I and, mean, cut out the, and cut out the Gargoyle song. This movie could have easily been 100. Yeah, I mean, even if they are fake like they're they're still annoying and i still gotta sit through them i know i know i'm just saying but but it makes them slightly more bearable if you just think this is quasimodo's way of coping with zero human interaction besides frollo and i will say like yeah they're they're kind of annoying side characters that ruin the tone of movie but i could i could also say that about timon and pumbaa or mushu or like any of these other like yeah they're the worst part of all those movies (laughs) yeah they really are I think Pumbaa was the first Disney character to ever fart on screen. He was. Yeah. In this in this very again, this very operatic, like mature movie where a we're character dies. Jokes. Yeah, a character dies in front of us and we're really sad about it. And then like the scene after, it's like, yeah, the stupid kid humor about farting and whatever. Anyway, 
On Metacritic, this movie has a 74 out of 100 with 29 positive reviews and only five mixed. No so, negatives, just mixed. Yeah, again, like, I don't think anybody could hate this movie. Like, it, it like you could probably be frustrated by it at worst, but, like... It's again, it's a respectable movie. The best review says if the Hunchback of Notre Dame isn't for younger kids, it's an ambitious, often stirring film that's easy to recommend for just about anyone else. Jay Boyer of Orlando Sentinel gives it a 100 out of a 100, which is a very valid review. Yes. If, yeah. if it's not for kids, you're going to love it. Yeah. Th- again, this is I think that's also the uh, the trap that this movie fell into is because it's like, oh, it's a Disney movie. So I got to be able to take my kids to see it. It got a G rating and they pushed hard for that because the rumor is this was very close to being PG. Yeah. I can't believe it was G. No. Yeah. I, I cannot believe they say hell like and multiple damn times and, and damn like there's I, I literally think they paid someone off at the MPAA. It's like, listen, guys, we're Disney. If this is PG, we're going to lose so much money. <laughs> you need to make a G. Yeah, back then when PG... Katzenberg, Katzenberg slipped, a, slipped a couple thousand dollars to the MPAA. Like, guys, come on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. back then when PG actually kind of meant something. Nowadays, like, the Minions movies are rated PG. And yeah, it's kids like, could just get into PG movies. It doesn't even matter. PG just means, yeah, it's got a couple fart jokes. G literally is like early childhood. G is like, this is a baby movie. <laughs> I don't. Th- I can't even think of a movie in the past, like, 15 Paddington? years. that I think even the Paddington movies are probably PG as well. Is Paddington PG? Wow. It, it pisses me off that it, they don't show MPAA ratings ever. It's PG. I cannot believe this. Yeah. Wow. The fact, yeah, but I think that at this point, I think PG now has just taken over the reins. Is like, all right, this is the children's movie one. Like, it, like G kind of doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I literally, if G comes out, the other, the last movie I saw in theaters that was G rated might have been The Artist. I don't even think that was a, that was probably a PG 13 movie. They probably said like some swear, some like light swear. They didn't say anything. It's silent. There was probably, <laughs> they, were, they, they were smoking in the movie. That's a PG 13. Oh, yeah. The artist. Oh, PG-13. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, so the worst review says the Hunchback of Notre Dame ultimately misses its target as it's more likely to find acceptance with an older than average Disney crowd. Marjorie Baumgarten from the Austin Chronicle, 40 out of 100. That's the same review as the 100. That is literally yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Again, it's like little kids won't like this. Maybe older kids will. It's like, yeah, I think that that's. I guess the you're kind a of the- movie reviewer. You don't review the movie where it's like this audience will like it or not. You're supposed to tell me what the quality of the film is. I don't fucking care who the audience. Is. I think that's also what how like reviews factored back in the 90s is like, well, it's for kids. Is this a good movie for kids? And if the answer is no, then that's ended up serious. Because like I said, like in the 90s, we were very protective of like, what are the children watching? Like, we have to make sure that this is okay for my kids to watch. Even though during the 90s, they were making a lot more daring and like weird movies than they are now. I agree. They made this. Even I mean, even if I don't like it, they made Pocahontas. That was a bit daring. Tarzan's, a, is, Tarzan's Tarzan a little scary. Is, Tarzan's pretty dark. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Hercules after this is a little bit of a 180. Like Hercules, Hercules is, a, is a kid's movie. Like that is a kid's movie. 100%. Yeah. That, that, I think that, that makes sense, right? That tracks after releasing this, they're like, ah, oh, fuck. Like we need to lighten it up a little lighten guys. up. And then they went and made, you know, <laughs> Hercules. And then after that didn't get great reviews, they're like, okay, Tarzan, let's do it. That, yeah. that was the order, right? I mean, I think Mulan came out after Hercules, but again, they're not tracking this minute to minute yearly by basis. Like these movies are in development for years and years. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. They probably get, I guess, depending on like current shifts, yeah. probably get shuffled around in the release yeah. date schedule, probably. So box office 
This movie's opening weekend didn't even come in at number one. It came in at number two with $21 million, and it lost to the number one movie, which was Eraser, which is some late 90s Arnold Schwarzenegger action movie that probably fucking sucks. Yeah, is this the only movie of the Disney Renaissance to not open at number one? Lord Mermaid, we might not even count, because that one took some time. That one really shined on video. Okay, so retract what I said. Little Mermaid did not make it at number one, so... The budget was $100 million, total domestic gross, $100 million, Why do you have such a, an just exact to, number? Just to show like the, the exactness that this movie like, on, in America matched the, uh, the budget. Yeah. Um, but, and, then, and then, yeah, worldwide, it made... Uh, $325 mil, Yeah. Which, good. Good show. Yeah. Probably, again, not one of the higher grossing and movies. And probably not, but they probably wanted to make a hell of a lot more. Yeah. And let's get into some of the things that might have caused this movie to, you know, flounder a little bit. So, first of the controversies, uh, the descendants of Victor Hugo were offended by the over-commercialization and uh, the sanitization of Hugo's original novel, and also for neglecting to credit Victor Hugo on the posters listen, of the movie. Listen, this is Disney we're talking about here. This is in the... First of all, this is in the public domain, okay? This is the public domain, so you can do whatever the fuck you want with it, right? Hmm. And... Did did you did you see uh, Carlo Collodi's estate going, hey, you didn't put his name on Pinocchio? No. Shut up. <laughs> like, just shut up. Yeah. Riling up a, a couple of more groups, the Southern Baptist Convention urged a boycott of Disney products for disparaging Christian values, not necessarily directly because of this movie specifically, but more so because of giving the appearance that they were promoting homosexuality in their parks and, and stuff like that because they had like gay and lesbian dates at so, the park. So this has nothing to do with the movie. It just happened at the same time this movie came out. I mean, the movie itself, I think that was also pointed at for being like an allegory for like the acceptance of gay people and like Quasimodo's song out there being like kind of co-opted as like, you know, a coming out anthem. <laughs> Jesus, these these people will get mad at fucking yeah. anything. It's also amazing. It's that a Disney fucking car. It's a, you know what? It's a drawing. It's not even real. But also it's the, a drawing. Yeah, but also the fact that Disney was a lot more it seemed to be a lot more uh, publicly open about supporting LGBT issues than they are today is really kind of disheartening and yeah. scary. Yeah. Also, they were these you know family Christian groups were also upset at the casting of Demi Moore in this movie because she had recently starred in a movie that we know as a quote poster movie is striptease. Yeah. So first of all, to explain what Mike just said there it's a poster movie basically meaning we know the poster we know nothing about the movie that VHS many little kid boners were had to the VHS cover of striptease with Demi Moore just nude covered by shadow yeah <laughs> yeah but anyway they got mad over that it's a movie that sucks and nobody fucking saw <laughs> but she's a heathen is doing sex movies yeah, yeah great I mean I've seen a lot of other news stories doing research for this movie a lot of other uh, religious organizations were actually very supportive of this movie for the depictions of Christianity oh, yeah. in the movie. The Christians are the good guys. They're the ones that want to stop Frollo. The, the church is the sanctuary where they go to hide out. Like, the church is the good guy in this yeah. movie. And I also don't think that the movie cops out in, like, you know, painting, like, religion as an institution as being wholly good. Because, again, a lot of, like, the negative aspects of, like, Christianity as an institution can be attributed to Frollo as a character. So it, it, it is a very well-balanced movie. Movie and as far as that messaging goes and also a lot of the 
like in, in some of those specific instances where it was like, you know, these uh, like Christian fundamental groups getting mad at Disney over other issues like around this time in the news stories, like in the in the columns, like pictures of the Hunchback of Notre Dame were put like in the columns, like attached to these stories. So this movie kind of was the face of a lot of like Disney backlash at the time, which I mean, they needed something and that was the most recent film. So yeah. you, you did, you did what you yeah. got to do. And I it's guess. a movie about like, yeah, and it's a movie about like, yes, a, a, a tolerance for marginalized groups and stuff that other, you know, Christian fundamentals would be very upset about. <laughs> um, there's also, yeah, a lot of, you know, I think a lot, this also movie, is also a, a bit sexually charged uh, because... Oh, the, this movie's horny. Uh, the villain's entire motivation is, I want this woman to fuck me, and if she doesn't, I will literally kill her and her entire race. <laughs> like, yeah. nobody was inceling harder than Frollo. <laughs> yeah. He's right up there with Gaston. I feel like Frollo and Gaston, number one and two. Of, like, Disney simps. Yeah. As this movie uh, came out, a lot of the Disney animated movies fared pretty well around the Oscars, specifically in the music categories, and so much so that they had Disney had a run. They had a fucking stranglehold over like the best original song and best original score Oscar for quite a number of years. Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast and Lion King all won in those categories. And it got to the point where the Academy was so irked about the Disney just having this like streak that they made up a fucking new category. Best original score drama and best original score musical or comedy. They Golden Globes did because they were like, all right, we'll put all of the Disney movies in this best original musical or comedy category that doesn't matter and then we can give the drama scores to the movies that we actually want to award and so the first year that they enacted this was 1995 Pocahontas won that category as they had probably you know expected but then as the decade went on Disney just kind of stopped showing up in these categories Hunchback was nominated for the best original score musical or comedy for this year and it lost to Emma the Gwyneth Paltrow 1996 adaptation of Emma and listen I'm sure it's probably a fine score and also it was I think the first woman composer to win an Oscar which I guess that's something nice that came out of it but like I'm and I'm sure it's fine but there ain't no way it's better than there's no way there's no way there's yeah. there's absolutely no way yeah. if any if any if any movie of the disney catalog deserved to win a score award it would have been this at the golden globes this movie was nominated for best original score and it lost to the english patient name I, a song from the english patient i dare you name a musical cue from the english patient you fucking can uh the seinfeld theme because that's the only thing I know about the English patient is the, the <laughs> scene in, uh, in that episode of Seinfeld where she gets dragged to see the English patient. <laughs> this movie also fucking crime was nominated for a Razzie award for worst written film grossing over a hundred million dollars. They just made up categories and they just did not care. The winner of this award was Twister. Twister's fine. And The Hunchback of Notre Dame was nominated alongside A Time to Kill, Mission Impossible, and Independence Day. Okay, the only bad written movie there is probably Independence Day. Yeah, like Mission Impossible is fine, and like... I've like, never again, seen A Time to Kill, but it's, like it's a, a Bond court, movie, it, right? No, it's like a courtroom drama. Oh, that sounds, tell me that does not sound like a Bond movie. Yeah. A Time to Kill. Yeah. There's just no time to kill. <laughs> 
And so uh, some other things about this movie that uh, I guess we could talk about. So we haven't talked about memes in a while. And I think that, I mean, let's maybe, keep it that way. <laughs> I feel like I've seen a lot of like memes from this movie be like, you know, be being born out. Uh, one of them is that that image of uh, at the at the Festival of Fools when Frodo is like silence. And then Esmeralda says justice. And people are like, this is the most impactful thing I've ever seen. So this uh, speaks volumes. And it's like. I mean, it's it's very obvious that they're making that parallel. It's not like you just discovered something like, wow, this is really deep. Like, yeah, I'm I'm 12 and this is deep. Yeah. And then uh, I guess it's kind of used as a as a as a gif is when uh, Frollo goes witchcraft. Yeah. Like, I guess whenever I don't know, I've seen people use that for things. Is this a stupid category? Should we just stop with this? <laughs> I don't know. Keep it in this episode and we'll see what yeah. goes on. <laughs> All right. So in years since reputation. Okay, we've said this movie is excellent, but you gotta know, fucking YouTube essayists gotta ruin it. Like, this is the most underrated Disney movie. Yeah, like, this is the darkest movie in all of Disney, or whatever. But I, I do feel like, I think that this movie is deserving of, like, you know, it's, it's reappraisal. And especially, again, compared to nowadays, where it's like, I can't think of the last time that a Disney movie was actually felt like you know grand and like bombastic and audacious in a way that this movie does it, everything just kind of just feels kind of typical and safe like even movies that are technically good like moana and like zootopia they all just kind of feel like a little samey they feel like they've been pushed through like you know the disney brand formula and for as much as this movie you could say it like was kind of sanitized by disney with like you know the gargoyles and like some of the stupid comedy bits this movie is a lot darker and a lot more mature than most animated movies we see today. And I, I like we that, said, Disney did 2022 Disney would never, yeah. they would never. I love this movie. It's my favorite Disney animated movie, but I also feel like its reputation is also allowed it to be forgotten because again, like I said, I went on Disney plus I couldn't find this movie just by casually scrolling through the homepage. Like even in categories where like all the other Disney Renaissance movies are packaged together, this movie is just forgotten and just left out. And I also feel like this is not a movie that kids are going to discover nowadays, even if they have Disney plus because again, because it's a lot darker and it's a lot more, violent there's no walk around characters yeah although i do remember from those disney vhs's that there was like esmeraldas and like disney parks yeah uh, and uh clopin yeah i i mean you think about when, whenever we watch these like disney vhs openings like we tend to do like the opening uh thing that from those disney uh vhs's like advertise like from magical movies to unforgettable adventures the image of clopin like the ha ha that that's the first image that shows yeah. up well in it was those the ads. most recent it was like the most recent movie at the time i mean i guess that makes sense but i i do know that frollo was in a couple like disney villain things in the in recent years maybe not even recent but you know house of mouse and things like that but outside of that this movie i feel like outside of frollo which is like being part of the villains crew there's like nothing there was a horrifying looking walk around Frollo character at Disney World for a while. Oh, was there? Look at this. Gross. Dude, what's up with his fucking neck? Yeah, it's uh Yeah, if you're if you're listening, go on and you're not driving or anything. Go on. Ew, there's a Quasimodo one too? <laughs> Jesus, look up just look up Frollo walk around character. It's horrible. 
Clopin looks fine. Jesus. Get, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Stop. Yeah. I yeah. hate that. I hate that. Yeah. They, why did they make him look like a fucking... He looks like The Rock. He's doing like the eyebrow thing. Yeah, it's like they made him look like one of those like super highly detailed like animated wrinkles in his yeah, face. Yeah, he looked like, he looked like a he looked like one of those uh, uh painted painted uh frames in a SpongeBob episode. <laughs> uh, God damn, that looked horrible. Yeah. But anyway, so we talked about how Eisner fixed Disney's home media release. So this got a home media release right after it uh came out in theaters. It used to be when a Disney movie came out, you had to wait you know, one more theatrical release and then they release it on VHS during the Renaissance after little mermaid made gangbusters. They said, fuck it. We're releasing the movies a year after they come out and then we'll sell them for six months and then they go in the vault and then you have to wait for the next re- We got released in theaters again and then we'll release the VHS again. Yep. This movie was released onto the VHS masterpiece collection and I've definitely Which every movie was part of the masterpiece collection. It means nothing. Yeah. Uh, I, I did own this movie on VHS. I had the clamshell. I still probably have it in my attic today. It's also probably in pristine quality because as a kid, if my VHSs were taken care of, that means I never watched them. Yeah. Toy Story is beaten to death. Dude, every orange Nickelodeon tape I had has chips out of it. It's (laughs) fucked. Yeah. This movie, though, I could probably maybe if I if I went, I maybe probably could get like $80 off of eBay (laughs) out out of this. Uh, And it was also released on Laserdisc in March of 97. Disney in the 90s did release in the 80s and 90s did release quite a few Laserdiscs, which I fucking want this on Laserdisc. You have Toy Story on Laserdisc. Yes, you gave me the gift of Toy Story on Laserdisc. You just got to get a player. Yeah. I, they're a pain in the ass because most of them don't work anymore. But, you know, yeah. if you get a refurbished one, they're a couple hundred dollars. Yeah. I got to search estate sales for them now. Yeah. This movie was also released on Blu-ray. But the the cardinal sin, the actual sin of this movie, like the, the religious, sacrilegious the Ugats, the fucking, the they, fucking. They packaged this movie on Blu-ray with the Hunchback of Notre Dame two. Now, to be fair, we looked at it. We looked at the cover. It says two disc, whatever. The only place they mentioned Hunchback two, the poster is just the cover of the Blu-ray is just the poster. No oh. Hunchback two. Yeah, which on the shrink wrap there may have been a sticker also includes Hunchback two, but when you rip that off, it's nothing. And they mention it on the back. It was one of those Disney three disc releases where they gave you the Blu-ray and a DVD of the movie because back then maybe you had one Blu-ray player but you had a DVD player in the car or DVD players elsewhere so you could watch the movie on the DVD which is fine the third disc has Hunchback 2 on DVD not even Blu-ray they probably they probably realized well if we remaster this it's just going to look even worse you're going to see how terrible the animation is so let's keep it shitty quality yeah and also it's not like anybody's clamoring for a, a an HD remake or an HD re-release of Hunchback so, and Notre Dame 2 and so i the would only say way that, yeah the only way that someone would buy that movie is if it was packaged with the good movie yeah so so here's what i say if you don't want to wait for Hunchback to be released on 4K, which they probably will, they're releasing, they're re-releasing their entire catalog on 4K. If you don't want to wait for that, you buy the Hunchback Blu-ray, you take the Blu-ray, and you take the paper out from the Blu-ray case, you throw the two DVDs in the Blu-ray case away, and then you put it in a fresh single Blu-ray case. That's it. The DVDs, you're not missing anything. And also this movie is available to stream on Disney Plus. The only way to watch it in 4K. Dolby Vision looks fucking gorgeous. Yeah. Again, if you can find it on Disney Plus, it's there. You just got to dig. Yeah, you just got to search a little bit. But you got to know what you're searching for. Yeah, I I, I implore everybody. If you do not have like at least a 55 inch or a 60 inch TV that could do 4K Dolby Vision, 
and a good sound system, do yourself a favor. Find a friend that does. Sit down and watch this movie. It's a delight to watch in Dolby 4K Dolby Vision. It's incredible looking. Yeah. As far as other, like, as far as being able to, like, you know, sit down and watch this as uh, the Disney movies, there are probably, I think I would say that, like, Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin and The Lion King are probably... From like a structural standpoint, a storytelling, like tonal uh, structured standpoint, those are probably like better made movies overall. But I think for me, this movie is just it's more than what I expect from a Disney movie. And it's the one that like I keep going back to it and it gets better every time. And the music also is one that stays with me. Like, yeah, I'm not the type of person to listen to Disney music on free time. But this this soundtrack, ever since I've been watching this movie, as doing research, has just kind of lived in my head for a little Dude, while. I've worked out to this score. <laughs> like, yeah, and it's not even just the the music, the the songs. Like, again, like the score that is being used, like in in the scene when hunch when uh when quasimodo saves esmeralda like that score that's playing when he like swings down and saves her and declares sanctuary that's a great musical piece like again it's it, every every aspect of like the technical crafts of this movie is just done so well and it's more than any disney movie even from that era that i can say like even so like i said beauty and the beast is a much more probably culturally significant important movie and I've watched it again recently, and it is very good, and I think that it does, you know, hold up very well. But this movie is just, for me, this is my favorite Disney movie. This, I, movie's, I, this movie's king shit, basically. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I could say it enough times that this is my favorite Disney movie. But anyway, let's go on to the poll question. I think the question would be, what is a movie that you saw in theaters or maybe got on VHS as a kid that scared you? Yeah, and, and and you had negative opinions of the movie because of that. And you I, didn't watch it. Yeah, like for both of us, we didn't watch. We had Hunchback on VHS, never watched it. Yeah, I think I would say that that, that this was probably my movie. Also, The Grinch. I thought The Grinch was very scary. The animated one? No, no, the, the Jim Carrey movie. Oh, I'm saying the animated one's cute. <laughs> I like the animated one. But anyway, so poll question from last week. So Mike fucked up yeah, and so forgot to read the poll question last time during our jackass episode. So first of all, let's go over the poll for Looney Tunes. What was the question for Looney so Tunes? So the poll question that we had for Looney Tunes back in action was we decided, what is your favorite uh, pairing of Looney Tunes characters? What's your favorite Looney duo? And the poll options were Bugs and Daffy, Roadrunner and Coyote, Sylvester and Tweety, and Bug slash Villain. Um, and that was the one I voted for just because I like Marvin the Martian so much. But the winner of that poll ended up being Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck, which respectable. Yep. If, and, it, if it was if it was uh, if it was uh, Sylvester and Tweety, I was going to fucking riot. Yeah. And then uh, for the Jackass episode, we had more of an open ended question, not really a poll question. But it was what's your favorite stunt slash sketch from any of the Jackass movies? And we got one response. From Ocean Man, our friend Shannon uh, said, honestly, I never thought I would ever see someone enter a department store and square up against a guy named Butterbean, but definitely my favorite stunt. Oh, dude. Yeah. When when Johnny Knoxville gets the concussion. Yeah, that's a, that's a great one. I love the fight with Butterbean. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. So that'll be our poll question. What is a movie that as a child scared you uh, and you you were afraid of watching the movie because of it? Yeah. All right. And so let's uh, close this out. What are your thoughts? What is your final rating out of 10 for both the movie and the marketing for The Hunchback of Notre Dame? I'm going to start with marketing. The marketing's solid, too. 
Yeah, this movie this movie was marketed really badly. Uh, just I'm even gonna say a one. <laughs> like it was bad. Extremely mismarketed. We're talking. We're talking like Kangaroo Jack levels of bad. <laughs> you know I, the movie that made us start this podcast. <laughs> I will say that I think that this movie. The I think that the first trailer sells the ominous tone and like some of the and and it shows a little more Frollo as the trailers go on there's a lot less frollo a lot less hellfire in the score and a lot more topsy turvy a lot more of the gargoyles and a lot more topsy turvy like it it gets a one just because like it's an animated movie yeah. and it shows animation yeah. good one yeah yeah also yeah cuz a lot of the toys and stuff that were released for this movie not only just aren't good on their own but are also just incongruous to what the movie itself is i don't want a frollo toy that man's a genocidal maniac yeah <laughs> a yeah. rapist genocidal maniac yeah. and rating out of 10 for the movie this is a fucking like probably a nine and a half i i would give this a solid nine out of ten. Nine, yeah i'll it go is, with a nine yeah i'd say it's my it's my favorite disney movie the only drawbacks of the movie the gargoyles and some of like the weird tonal shifts kind of drag it down a little bit but i think that as far as like disney animated canon goes i think that this is the tops that is our episode on hunchback of notre dame i hope that we did this movie justice because it's a movie that we both know very well and we both really enjoy and uh, have enjoyed going back to and we've enjoyed digging into a lot of the media for this one a lot this one was very nostalgic going back to a lot of these so so let's uh get gives a little plugs and sign offs anthony uh any anything you want to plug you're on tiktok a lot more you want to give the people to follow you oh yeah my tiktok is um slavage underscore vibe check so it's s-l-a-v-o-j underscore v-i-b-e-c-h-e-c-k i just make tiktoks when i'm bored (laughs) go ahead check them out They're, they're kind of funny I'm on TikTok too. Uh, I'm at Plankton's Army. I started it because I wanted to just make myself a dedicated Plankton impersonator. Yes. You should make one for the podcast. Yes, I'll make a I'll make a TikTok for the podcast. We'll we'll show all the clips and commercials from these movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah do it, do it, Plankton. We're gonna yeah. Plankton's gonna make a uh, yeah a uh, one for the yeah. podcast. So we'll uh. Next next episode, we'll let you know what the ad is, or follow us on Twitter, where uh, Mike will uh, yeah. post about it as he makes it. What's our Twitter yeah. Twitter handle? So like? our Twitter is at Cinemarket Pod, and our Instagram is Cinemarketing Podcast. Uh, I post some of the trailers and uh, some of the promotional material that we talk about on the show up there, so you can follow along with us uh, as you're re- waiting for this episode to be released. You can follow along with watching some of the marketing that uh, we're going to talk about, and. Uh, that's it for this episode. We're going to have something special planned up for either the next episode or the one after that. But we got... Uh, Keep them in suspense, Mike. Yeah. So I'll see you next time. Goodbye. Coming soon to theaters.